This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Um, just a heads up, I am recording in a slightly different spot, so there is a bit of an echo. Um, I apologize that for in, in advance. Um, there was a huge snowstorm, and I wasn't able to record in my usual spot, so that's um, that's where the echo is coming from, and hopefully it won't be too bad. Um, okay, so this week... What I really wanted to kind of touch on, um, and I'm not really going to get into everything that I want to talk about it without going on for like two and a half hours, and I really don't want to make an episode that long, but um, last week I talked about um, money trauma and narcissism and then narcissistic trauma and money and how they're both um, incredibly linked because it's uh, money is a very um, accessible tool for a lot of narcissists to exert control over other people in their lives, as well as it has been used as a tool by narcissists, like the narcissistic systems we live in, as a means of control over us. So there's a little bit of that very um, toxic dynamic of, well, you used it against me, so I'm going to use it against you because it was used against me. And that that kind of whole dynamic is really um, is re- is really the reason why capitalism is still like even though I mean I think if anybody with half a brain looks outside you can see that capitalism is failing it's just not a a a, a demolition the way I think um, some people myself included would like to see it go down in but it's like the slow deterioration that unfortunately takes a lot of lives with it a lot of people are going to end up dying because of the slow roll destruction of capitalism. But the way the system's set up, it's just, it's impossible not to see how destructive it is inherently designed to be. There is no, um, there, is, there isn't equity for all, for all. That's why there is no signs of equity anywhere because it's not designed to be. It needs a winner and a loser. It is inherently very black and white in its existence. So if there is someone who has a lot, then somebody must have none. Um, and it's a zero-sum game. It's the definition of how a narcissist thinks and operates in the world. It is the perfect embodiment of it. And so I... As I was kind of, I, like I'm like I mentioned before, like I've been working through my own money trauma, and it keeps some um, 
uncovering one layer after another. And really, it's something that I think I've I've thought about in a more existential way, but never really applied it to myself until recently. And what I find funny is that, like, researching this topic and, you know, just kind of uncovering myself too, um, I have, over the course of my life, been obsessed with documentaries on money fraud, um, fraud of any kind, but money fraud seems to be the most ubiquitous kind of fraud that exists. And it was funny because it's like, I remember years ago when I first watched the Enron documentary and then, you know, like most recently was like the Madoff one on Netflix came out. Um, just the existence of people like Trump and Kushner always kind of gets me and people's idealization of them, but not quite, um, by but by ignoring some very, very massive flaws in their character that can be seen with the way that they treat money. Um the existence of things like a stock market, credit scores, just the system of money, I think is very funny. Banks, banking in general is just very funny to me as a system because it's this, it's all based around this made of means that we, that humans created that has now like snowballed into this thing that we can't, um, that seem that we seemingly can't live without, because, you know, how will we be compensated? And what is fascinating to me is how many people who are um, quote unquote woke or um, involved in social justice and um, really, I mean, generally speaking, just incredibly smart people just don't have it in them to imagine a world where money doesn't exist. So I always found money very funny because I mean, with my own personal experience, I myself, I've done some really crazy, creepy things with money. Um, I have, I grew up with parents who, you know, had, had done like, like things that seem shady with money. Um, you know, relatives, same kind. Uh, we had a lot of people who were involved, uh, who lived or involved with, um, people in the Middle East and they have very shady relationships with money. So just all around, no matter where you look, whether it's on a global scale or just within your own household, it just seems that nobody seems to get money. And it doesn't seem that hard of a concept because on its baseline, you know, it's just, you're counting. It's just basic arithmetic. Most of us learn how to do that in like second grade. But what's fascinating is how many people use money to make themselves feel better. Um, get over imposter syndrome, um, have control and control is a big one because it, it like, that's like, I think whatever each one of these things kind of comes back to is you, when, when you have a singular tool for all intents and purposes, money is a tool. Um, it's an overused tool, but it is a tool. Um, when you have a tool that is able to exert so much control over people, people's lives, how they function, how they're able to get through their day, like money has a lot to do with that. And the ability to be able to control people's lives, I think is very enticing to narcissists and victims of narcissistic abuse, because I don't think, um, and in my experience, I haven't quite seen any difference between those two people, whether you are a full-blown narcissist yourself or if you are a victim of narcissistic trauma, that somewhere along the line, you will have done some very shady shit with money. 
Like the money trauma is still there. And and it's an easy place, I think, to exert our trauma onto because um, it's an easy way. Um, it's a very convenient way that exists for us to dehumanize people. You know, if you put a cost on someone's life, all of a sudden they're not this person, they're this, this amount of money. And you now dehumanize them and they are no longer a person with feelings and thoughts and you know, in existence, they are now just this pile of money and I can do whatever I want with this pile of money. And I personally saw a lot of that in medicine, a big reason why I really did not want to go and practice or go through the process of even trying to figure out where I would practice because um, there was this inherent dehumanization that exists within medicine and healthcare, especially in the United States, um, where you're just not considered a person. You're just how much money will you cost? Are you who are you going to cost? Are you going to cost the doctor? Are you going to cost the hospital? Are you going to cost the insurance company? But somehow along the way, you are only a worth a certain number of dollars, and that was very um, for someone like me. It was just not what I thought I was getting into, and thus I didn't go down that route. And what also like fascinates me, like after watching all these documentaries, like again, you know, like and I and I I watched some of them many many times where I know you know, everything, if to the best extent that you can figure out from a documentary of like what was going on. And one thing I found that was a common thread with some of them, um, but there was this like, and this is like, we're going into the stock market now, right? So like there's a system that we created and it's just like numbers across the screen, but it is so serious. And by the way, I'm serious for a lot of white men. This is serious for a lot of white men. So let's, you know, I mean, there's people of color going to be involved and in some way, shape or form. But there, this is a very there. there this is a like a, 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 co a collision between capitalism and whiteness that kind of comes with money. And it's, it's fascinating to me to watch because like. I know with Enron, this was part of the case. Madoff did this. Um, and, you, and you'll see it with politicians even now. Like they use the stock market as some, as some sort of indication of economic health. And A, I think that's not accurate because no one's ever actually explained what the stock market is. Second, there is this assumption that if it's going up, it will always go up. Like, I know with Enron, that was a big thing. I know with Madoff, that was a big thing where they just kept saying, well, you know, if it's going up and you'll just keep it, it'll just never go down. Or like, are you, or you come out, like fake the whole thing that when it goes down, that it didn't really go down. Um, but what I didn't understand, like I was like, I'm particularly thinking about the Madoff documentary right now. And what I found hilarious was that like with the housing crisis and, and when Madoff was, you know, getting investors into his fund or non-existent fund, really, he was just pooling money um, in, the, in the Ponzi scheme. Um, there is this promise that he makes that like you'll always get a return. How do you always make a return on a system that is inherently cyclical? Like in my lifetime, the stock market has crashed about six times. That doesn't include the, just the normal day-to-day -day up and down that happens. But what goes up must come down. But only in capitalism is there this assumption that there must be continuous growth for, the all, for all of time. 
And everything has proven that it cannot always grow. Nothing actually always grows. Everything has a cycle. If you go up, you must go down. If you get big, you must shrink at some point because there's a cap as to how big you can get before you are overwhelming. And this is where I use the analogy of cancer cells. Like you can, if you are continuously growing in, if there's something in your body that is continuously growing, it becomes a cancer. That's literally a definition of cancer, something that, that has overgrown. It's an overgrowth of whatever cells, you know, but it's an overgrowth, meaning there's not supposed to be that many there. Nature has cycles. The stock market itself has proven to be cyclical. So why do we continuously believe? How do rich people continuously believe that they can get like a consistent 1% return on something that doesn't consistently stay at 1%? Like it doesn't have that consistency within it. So how will you be able to reap, get that out out of something that doesn't have it to begin with? And I mean, that was kind of like, that was one of the things that, that was a part of the, the Madoff Ponzi scheme, but like, that was the promise that he made. You know, you consistently get all these returns, but because it's the Ponzi, like, and how do the people who are investing these billions of dollars with this man not see that that was so straight, like it just can't happen in a system that doesn't exist to be that way. Even the stock market cannot have continuous growth. Something that is completely born out of complete white capitalism cannot have continuous growth without at some point folding onto itself and crashing. And that's what happened, is that when you've got this massive growth each time, I'm thinking of the dot-coms in the 90s, um, 90s to 2000s, the housing crash, you know, 10 years later. 10 years later, every 10 years, there's always a bubble that comes in and the, and, and we've gotten, I mean, like the, the people that be, like the trauma is so severe now. <clears throat> And it is trauma when you look at it because people are putting so much money into it, like ridiculous amounts of money that people do not even understand what these number of zeros even mean. Like there's no way to comprehend what a, a trillion dollars looks like or $400 billion. Like nobody knows what these numbers mean. There's no way to quantify. None of us have ever seen that much sitting in one place. It's, and also a lot of it is just digital. It doesn't actually exist. The crypto stuff, like all of this stuff, there's like this giant, this massive growth and then it, it explodes pretty much and everything comes crashing down and everybody who wasn't even involved with it gets, gets um, demolished and all that rubble. And what I like, I just, I don't really have an answer for this question, but I'm bringing it up to connect back to the point that we show up, our, our trauma shows up in ways that we do not always see. And we, a lot of us are very ignorant to our own money habits in an effort to, in a lot, in a lot of cases, to hide our shame. Because I think when, when we have the most shame, it shows up a lot in the way that we treat something like money, especially, and again, it's given this very specific context that we live in this world where money is incredibly important. It doesn't need to be. I'm not saying that the way that the system is set up is correct. So that's a different, you know, that's a whole different thing for another day. But as far as we're, as, you know, recovering, as people who are recovering from narcissistic trauma, one of the places that our trauma will show up 
is not only in our relationships with other people, but in our relationship to money. And how we treat that will bleed into our relationships, will bleed into our relationships with our partner, with our parents, with our um, kids, with ourselves, eventually. And it's fascinating to me, like we, you can, you can see it like over and over again, how many billionaires have been, um, married a whole bunch of times. I like, I always think of the Bezos thing because like he had, he was with this woman who was there for, with him when he, you know, built this thing from scratch, right? Built Amazon from scratch. All of a sudden he gets so big to a point where a, a, a another foreign country is trying to bug his phones or get him entrapped into a whole thing to have control over his newspaper. And it's all because like he started his whatever issues he had, um, cause you don't become a billionaire by accident. All right. Like you don't, you don't become a billionaire by accident. You have to have the one thing that is true in capitalism, that if the, a billionaire exists, there also exists an entire population of people that were exploited for him to get to that point. And he got, you know, as he, I think it was like around the first or second time he was named the richest man in the world. All of a sudden he divorces his, his starter wife and starts like becoming this other version of himself because that's when the trauma shows up. Just because you have, I mean, you have all this money, but that doesn't mean that your money trauma is gone. It doesn't mean that other people with money trauma aren't going to target you either. So it goes both ways. The trauma shows up for everybody. And what just what it just it's just so fascinating me to watch it and i'm really watching it from a lens of somebody who's trying to work on her own money trauma and understanding like i did a lot of shitty things when i was younger with money with money that wasn't mine and so now as an adult especially over the last like 10 years or so i've like really worked on my relationship to the extent where i have like values around money and I treat money like a person rather than treating people like money first of all like I don't I try not to quantify people in how much money they are like I I, I don't I, I never really did that to begin with but I know that was done to me by my parents especially like I remember like one time when I graduated college and you know my parents just like it was a couple of years later so it was probably around the 08 crash and my parents were you know, they were tight on money and money was tight. Business wasn't doing well because people all of a sudden didn't have jobs and they didn't have homes and they weren't coming to the store. They weren't able to buy from us. And so our business went down as a result as well. And, and I remember that my dad pulled out a notebook where he had um, written down every dollar he had ever sent me while I was away at school, when I was in college. And that was like, I had, I had felt um, dehumanized or quantified before by my mom. That was really the first time I remember my father doing that to me. And I never really bought into it. It felt very, very wrong to me. So I, I didn't buy into it. Um, but I know that it's still like, even when I, then I go to med school and all of a sudden, you know, patients are quantified by how much they cost or how many resources, quote unquote, that's always a great word. I love when people use it. Resources, how much money do we have to put into you? And 
it was just, um, for me, it's incredibly dehumanizing to do that to other people and to have other people do that to me. But it's still, that was part of my trauma. Uh, because I was um, quantified that way, I also, you know, felt entitled to kind of treat people in a shitty way when it came to money because, um, because I was treated shittily around it. Um, and as I'm unpacking all this and I see in the world, like, it seems like this, a lot of this stuff kind of plays out on a much larger scale with, you know, you know, with all any pick a thing, you know, <laughs> pick a thing with money that's happened recently. Um, and it's just fascinating how that trauma from narcissism that's kind of inbuilt that capitalism kind of contains affects us all. And then I think if you add on like other traumas on top of it, like with my parents being immigrants into this country, trying literally trying to pull themselves up by their bootstraps to where like, you know, if you just do that, it'll be fine. Um, you know, the false promise of the American dream, all of that stuff how that builds onto them and then how they then give that to their kids. You know, I was, I was supposed to be a doctor because my dad couldn't be, you know, if, if, if I, if he went from doing, you know, retail with, with, with his stores and I went, you know, me and my sister are like a doctor and a lawyer, that was a step up. Yes. It cost them everything, but yeah, that was a step up. And so it's just, so fascinating to see the way that money trauma shows up for people and it's really it's I think it's a really easy barometer to see I think in relationships that's why so many relationships don't work out is because you're not able to talk about money in a honest and um, empathic way because it again it's a it's a tool that that's been used to dehumanize us so it's really hard to talk about this thing and it's also really hard to talk about something that you really don't know that much about we've been left ignorant as to how money works on purpose so if you don't know how something works but it's it's completely integral to the way that you live your life well then you're kind of like just to throw spaghetti against the wall and hoping it, that it works this time so all you really know is that if I need to get something, I got to pay for it. And it's it's hard because I I can imagine a world without money. That wasn't hard for me to even when I had a crappy relationship with money, I was like, man, it would be really cool if we just didn't have it anymore. And everyone's always a response to that is like, well, then what are we going to do? Well, that's the thing. You wouldn't have to pay people. It's because we'd be a race of humans helping, like working together to keep us all alive. That's what, that's, that was the point. And instead we have this thing in the middle that's, you know, propped up by this, by the system that completely takes away our humanity from us. And I still believe all of that is true, but that doesn't negate the fact that I still need to learn this tool and how the systems around it work with it. Um, because I still have to live in the world the way it's currently constructed. And even though I want the world to be different, it's not currently. And I would do myself a dis disservice if as I'm healing all these other things, if I didn't take a look at this one aspect in my life and see how it's affecting all those other things that I'm healing. A lot of my anxiety and stress comes from money. 
and a lot of my stress in my relationships comes from money. And and so if I can figure out this one thing, this may help me in all of the areas of my life. And it can't be that hard because there's a ton, some people who know how to do it. So really, I think despite my rant about um, how money is kind of like the, the worst thing, it's really not money's fault. Money is just this inanimate thing that exists. It's the people. It's about the people who are using the money to control people, unhouse people, unalive people, on like all of it. Like money has, money only has the power that the people give to it. If tomorrow the billionaires decided that it's plastic that has value, then watch the run on plastic that happens. And also you won't be able to find a plastic item in Walmart by the end of the week because that's the way that it works. It's just that money is this tool. It is not money's fault that it happens to be at the scene of every crime. It's the people that leave it behind hoping that, well, if you look at that, then you won't look at me. And then I can go keep on doing what I'm doing. And so understand like money trauma and narcissistic trauma are so incredibly entwined because like money, in my experience, is the narcissist's favorite tool. It is the easiest way they can exert control over you. It's the, it's the number one reason why most, um, most, people, uh, most women, anyway, stay in um, abusive relationships because they don't have the money to leave. Um, I know that I was um, tethered to my parents until um, I had certain financial relationships that fell. That were, that were completed or that were, that were ended. Um, until those things happened, I was still tethered to them. I still felt a responsibility to them. It was after that was done that I was like, you know what, I really don't, they don't, I have the ability to not have them in my life and I would probably be better off all around just, you know, mental health wise, physical health wise and emotionally like I would just be better if I didn't have them and I don't I no longer have a reason where I feel like I need to interact with them and it's really important to understand how money works as a proxy a lot for our for for our trauma when we're when we're recovering from a lot of this stuff or you know if you're not and you're still kind of actively um you know, replaying it in your life, it will come out with the way that you treat money, even if it's your, like, and especially if it's your own money, but just money in general, however it shows up for you, it could be that nobody knows what you're doing, but you do, you know, you know, if you're doing the drugs and that's where the money's going, you know, if you're doing like gambling and that's where the money's going, you know, that you're buying shit that you don't need to buy. And that's where the money's going. You know, if you're eating a whole lot of food, like for me, that's where my money used to go. I used to binge eat and I could easily eat $100, $200 worth of food. It would not be a problem for me, but that's where my money went. 
you know, and it's, it's just, it shows up in so many different ways and it's a really, um, and it, I really do believe as somebody who actively is working toward a, toward a, toward a world with no money in it, it is a really good avenue that if you're trying to do the most bang for your buck trauma recovery, um, that's a really good path to go down. If you're willing to see all the freaking monsters that are going to come out as a result of it, because they are bad. I was from personal experience, the shit that comes out when you start uncovering your money trauma is really, really bad. But I think at the very least, we deserve to see what's under there so that it can't be used against us and we don't use it against ourselves at the very least. Um, thanks for listening to me today. This was a bit of a more rant than I was going for, but I was just, um, I really, ha I felt the need to talk about it because I don't, I don't see these conversations happening anywhere else. And sometimes, um, and sometimes you talk about stuff that's uncomfortable and that's okay. And this is an uncomfortable thing, but I really feel like, um, if I don't, I mean, I, I scour, I am on the internets all the time. So if I don't see a conversation happening, it's most likely I'm not the only one who's looking for it, but I do have an ability to put it out there. And that was, um, my goal with this episode today. Um, thanks so much for listening again, and I will see you guys again next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.